Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth through today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 42.18 through 43.17 called The Spiritually Deaf and Blind. Have you ever seen a situation where someone, you know, kind of gets it, they get what's coming to them, and they don't seem to respond to it? And you go, oh my goodness, what do you do after that? What do you do when you give someone, you take them to the woodshed, and they're worse? What do you do with a group of people like that? That's exactly where God found his own nation. He had disciplined them severely. As a matter of fact, 70 years in a foreign land, a pagan land, and apparently the bulk of them did not learn their lesson. That's a scary place to be. That's a scary place to be when you know God's dealing with you and you're you're saying, I'm not going to listen. But now, here's the good news. 43.1. Thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Even though this is how these people were and are, God says it doesn't matter. I'm still going to redeem them. And one quote that I think will capture the heart of it, what matters most about you is not what you deserve, but whose you are, close quote. What matters most about you is not what you deserve, but who you belong to. Because you belong to the king who is not uh, redeeming Israel. Remember, in the Old Testament, it says, I didn't pick you because you were more numerous than any people or you were better than any people. That's not why I chose you. I chose you just because I decided to love you. So it's not like you earned my initial call, so... It's not like I'm going to redeem you because you're some fantastically special people. I'm going to redeem you because that's who I am. I notice this, but now God comes on the scene. Uh, I am the one who created you, Jacob, the nation. I formed you. This is uh, the language from Genesis when God formed uh, Adam from the dust of the earth. O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed you. I've purchased you back. I have called you by your name. You are mine. If you are a believer uh, tonight, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. When God saved you, it wasn't because you were doing a little bit better in your life. As a matter of fact, maybe the bulk of us came into the kingdom when we were at our lowest point in our lives. So it's not like God you know, does this on a brownie point system. It's not like, you know, the famous line when people say, I think I'll go to church after I clean up my life a little bit, then I think I'll go. That would be like standing outside of a shower and said, saying, before I get in the shower, I think I'll clean myself up a little bit before I go into the water. No, you don't do that. You let the shower clean you. So that's why we say, come just as you are. And that's what God is really saying. I, I created you, I formed you, 
Uh, I don't want you to be afraid because I'm the one that redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. And how did God do it? Through Jesus Christ. He sent him into the world to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He redeemed us and purchased us back from the slave market of sin by his own blood. And he called us by name into his kingdom. He said, I know who you are. I know what you were doing before you walked into the church that day. And the first time you heard the gospel, and there was a bunch of people praying for you because you were a rascal, right? And there you walked in thinking you're all that. Yeah, yeah, all right. I think maybe I'll grace this place with my presence, right? And then all of a sudden, first arrow comes, right? And truth starts to hit your life a little bit. And God says, I'm calling you to myself. I'm the Goel. I'm the one that, Goel, uh, Redeemer, means to lift up God. It's the exact opposite of pride. Pride lifts up self. To be redeemed means to lift up God. And that's what the redeemed say. Let the redeemed say so. God is my Redeemer. And I know he lives. And if you belong to God, I want you to highlight that promise God says, I've called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, verse 2, 43, I will be with you. Through the rivers, this is Exodus imagery again, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. I want you to see the walking through, the passing through, But the key phrase in verse 2 is, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, you can see this metaphorically. You're going to go through uh, deep waters in your life, um, but you're going to go through them. And the one guarantee that you have is that God will never leave you or forsake you, no matter how deep, no matter how hot it gets. Think of uh, the Red Sea crossing. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. The Egyptian army was coming. It was a very real threat, but God opened the way of the sea. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, but God was with them, and they did not get burned. The rivers did open, and in our lives, we're going to go through some very difficult times, but the promise that we can hold on to is God is not far from us. He's near the brokenhearted, and precious in his sight is even one of the deaths of his saints. For I am the Lord your God, look at verse 3, the Holy One of Israel, I am your God, verse 3, I am your Savior, I have given Egypt as your ransom, that means the price to be paid, Cush and Seba in your place. If you think of when God delivered the children of Israel from uh, Egypt, he really ransomed Egypt, he used Egypt and basically destroyed them to bring out his people. And he brought how many plagues? Ten plagues on them. The last one killed the firstborn in the entire nation of Israel. There was not one house where there wasn't somebody dead. And what was the reason that God did it? To deliver his people. So he ransomed the other nation to bring out his people. Verse 4 says, Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored And I love you. I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. This is one of the very rare verses in the Bible where you will see God specifically say, 
I love you. I remember there was a time uh, that I was going through a difficult season in my life. And uh, I haven't had a whole lot of times where I can tell you that God spoke to me in such a deep way that um, it was close to an audible voice. But I'll say this to you. There was a time I was going through some deep waters and I felt as close as I can get to an audible voice, the Lord say to me, I love you. And that changed my life. It meant a lot to me. Uh, And here's a place in the scriptures. Notice some things about what God says. He says, you are precious in my sight. If you want to know what's important to God, then you need to write down Isaiah 43, 4. You are precious in my sight. Since you are honored, that's the Hebrew word kabod or kavod. It means what is weighty. It often speaks of the glory of God. And here God says, I honor you. You're precious to me. I honor you. You're uh, something very weighty and valuable to me. And I love you. And I will give other men in your place. I will move heaven and earth to show you my love. The, the word for love in Hebrew is aheb. And uh, it's in the ancient picture language, it means, get this, the Father revealed. The word in Hebrew for love means the Father revealed. The Father is revealed in love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and so we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And the word kavod in Hebrew, or that which speaks of honor, uh, means to reveal what is within. And so take the two words together. The word honor reveals what's within God, and the word love shows you the heart of your Father. This is what the scripture teaches. And think of who he's saying it to. He's saying it to a people that he just called what? Blind, deaf, and they don't learn from their punishment. He's not saying it because they did some great escapade. Hey, they just, look at, look at Gabriel. They're really worshiping today. Oh, I really love those guys. That's, that's the world's love, right? Hey, they really, hey, he just helped the old lady across the street. Hey, I really love that. Really love that performance. No, that's... The context is not that at all. The context is you've heard the word agape or agape. That's God's unconditional love. And here you just, you just have it captured. All this negative stuff. And he says, you're precious to me. I honor you. You're weighty. You're, you're the most valuable thing to me. And I love you. If you want to know it, whether or not that's true, then take another look at the cross. That's how precious, weighty, and valuable, and that's how much God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish. If you ever have a question about God's love, then take a fresh look at the cross, because the cross is God's love on display. That's what it means in Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his love 
And so God says, in light of this, do not fear, verse 5, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. We have just celebrated Easter, so the first series is on the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, And so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe. They have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. For I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, verse six, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Many see this as a worldwide call. So moving, it includes, I think, the thought of Babylon, but moves beyond that to the call of God's people from all over the world. And guess what happened in the last 60 years or so? God began to call his people from all over the world. And it was not because there was a major messianic revival that brought a ton of Jewish people to Jesus Christ. That has not yet happened. But he called the people from all over the world and Jews have been flooding in to the nation of Israel and they have not even been in that land from the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70 until March of 1948 and they recaptured Jerusalem in 1967, brothers and sisters. That's 45 years ago. That's in your lifetime. He is regathering his people and Jew after Jew after Jew is pouring into the land of Israel. It is blossoming again. 
as it has become, I think, in the top three exporters of fruit, and veg- or at least fruit, all over the world. And that has happened in many, if not most, of your lifetimes. So this is pointing beyond just the return of Babylon, although the return to, uh, excuse me, from Babylon to Jerusalem. The Exodus is a picture of it from Egypt uh, to the Promised Land. The move from Babylon back to Jerusalem is a picture of it, but the ultimate fulfillment will be in the last days, in what's called the eschaton. And God says this, everyone who is called, verse 7, by my name, and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made, bring out the people who are blind, there it is again, and we'll be introduced to a courtroom scene in a moment, even though they have eyes and the deaf, even though they have ears. Everyone who's called by my name, verse 7, what were you created for? Look at your Bible. What is the purpose for God creating you? He created you for his glory. What does that mean? What does it mean to be created for God's glory? It means that you and I are a walking advertisement for God's grace. That's what Ephesians 1 teaches, that we would be to the praise of of the glory of His grace, that people would look at your life and say, God, you're a Christian? Man, I knew you back in the day. As a matter of fact, it's still the day. What are you doing in the church? I know who you are. I, know, I partied with you, whatever. And you can say, yeah, you did. And now I am a walking trophy of the grace of God. That's how you give God glory, by the way. You walk around telling others about the grace of God. You were created for the glory of God. What does glory mean? It's weighty, it's significant, it's valuable. You are being changed from glory to glory. One day you will have a glorified body. One day you will be in a city whose light is the glory of God. And God has built you for eternity. He's put it in your heart in the book of Ecclesiastes. Eternity is in our hearts. And when the glory of God is housed in these weak temples as they are, God makes us His temple. He makes us for His glory to dwell in so that it might become a testimony of what? The truth of God and the gospel. That's why you exist. And until you're filled with that glory, all you will be living on is idols. And remember last Wednesday when we studied idols, what did we say about an idol? It's emptiness because it has no glory. It has no light. It's dead. And anybody who worships an idol becomes like an idol. And the ones who worship their God who is a God of glory, what do they do? They become a person that shines that glory and they begin to stand out in a world filled with darkness. So here's the courtroom scene, and this is the, the la- latter part of this particular study. Bring out the people who are blind, bringing them now into a courtroom scene, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears, pointing back to the nations, uh, to the, excuse me, the nation of Israel, even though they have ears. And then, notice who's with them. All the nations have gathered together, 
in order, verse 9, that the peoples may be assembled who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things. Let them present their witnesses, here's the courtroom scene, that they may be justified or let them hear and say, it is true. So God now summons Israel, the deaf and the blind. Remember, we've been talking about that all along. And all the other nations, and it's like they sat down in the courtroom and Isaiah is the court reporter. And he's looking. And he's going, here come the deaf and the blind people. And God, guess what? God's calling in witnesses and guess who he has on his side? A bunch of deaf and blind people. And Isaiah is saying, are you sure, Lord? Being the court reporter, you, I know you can do better than this. I mean, I love deaf and blind people, but they can't do very well in terms of giving testimony. Are you sure that's who you want to call in? And then the nations all come in, and the nation of Israel, the deaf and blind ones, were supposed to be a light to all the other nations. And so then they sit in the courtroom, and they're looking at Israel saying, aren't those the people that were supposed to be telling us about the judge? I don't know if you feel the weight of that. But it's kind of like the world sits there in the courtroom, and I don't know if there's ever going to be a day like this. But we've all heard some stories like it, where some unbeliever might say to you, why didn't you tell me you were a Christian? Or you have stories like people work at a company for years, and then they both find out they're both Christians. And they say, I didn't know. And you say, I didn't know. And why didn't you know? Because we didn't say anything. Because we were being secret agent Christians at our workplace. That's a sad commentary. And here they're all seated in the courtroom. And they've gathered together, verse 9. And the peoples are assembled, the Jew and the Gentile. And who among them, the question comes, can declare and proclaim to us the former things? Can any of these gods and idolaters and nations, can they present their witnesses that they may be justified? Or let them hear and say, it's true, amen, yeah, that's right. But God says to the deaf and blind, verse 10, Isaiah 43, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. You're my servant whom I have chosen in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. He's brought in the the deaf and the blind witnesses into the courtroom, and Isaiah's sitting there saying, Lord, are you sure? And God says, I'm sure. They are my witnesses, those deaf and blind ones. They're my people. And here's what they need to understand. Reformation is a faith grounded in evidence and fact, not just feelings. You're my witnesses. And you're the ones that I've chosen, verse 10, that you may know. I want you to know me. I want you to believe me. That mostly means in Hebrew, the idea of trusting what a person says. I want you to understand that I am. That's Exodus 3.14 language. I am. Jesus even made that claim. I am. Before me, there was no God formed. The room, remember, in the earlier scene was filled with the people's idols. And God says, there will be none after me. I am it. That's what you can give witness to, Israel. I know you've been messing with these idols. I know if you look around the room, you could say, yeah, we worship Baal. And yeah, we worship Molech. And that guy's holding another deity that we worship. But God says, I want you to be my witnesses now and understand in this setting with everybody listening, there's nobody else like me. 
I'm not some God that came from a genealogical tree. I didn't, you know, I don't have junior deities and, and junior partners and second lesser gods. There was no God formed before me. Listen to the verse. There will be no God formed after me. I am it. And this is what you are a witness of. I was there from the beginning and you are my witnesses. You've been listening to The Spiritually Deaf and Blind, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 42, 18 through 43, 17. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to connect with you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And just a reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Would you consider becoming a partner for $5 a month? We're blessed to know that these teachings reach thousands of listeners just like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. If you've been listening for some time now and you're blessed by this ministry, if you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teachings or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 42.18 through 43.17 called The Spiritually Deaf and Blind. I'm Mike Massaro, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.